You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Broncos Audio Zone. I'm Phil Milani, joined as always by Eric Dalala. Today, former Broncos linebacker Jim Ryan joins Jim Sakamano on another episode of Broncos Country Throwback. Yeah, Phil, excited to hear today about Jim Ryan's 10-year career with the Broncos, obviously a linebacker for the team, and eventually came back, Phil, to rejoin the Broncos on their coaching staff. Uh, Just some great stories I'm sure we'll get to hear like we do every week on Broncos Country Throwback. Jim, take it away. This is Jim Sakamano, and we're thrilled to have Jim Ryan as our guest on Broncos Country Throwback today. Jim Ryan was a linebacker for 10 years for the Denver Broncos, and he's a member of our uh, 100 top team uh, the 100 top team for the Broncos. Jim, you've had a career that spanned uh, Red Miller and Jerry Phipps as the owners through Edgar Kaiser, Pat Boland, and then you are the top 100 team uh, in Pat Boland's uh, ownership a year ago. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, huh? Well, I was uh, I was actually thrilled to be included in that uh, top 100, and uh, that was uh, – yeah, that was really exciting. It was a great event that we had uh, last October, I think it was. And uh, to be involved in that was was wonderful. Um, I have nothing but great things to say about the Broncos organization and Pat Bowen and, and uh, you know, my time there in a couple of different capacities uh, is something that I cherish. Yeah, you um, you're one of the rare people of whom I can say I've actually driven past his high school back when I was going um, to NFL films to um, to work on the highlight film once, I, I was driving and there was Bishop Eustace Prep. Uh, That's right. Let's go back a ways. When you were uh, at that, you know, fine uh, private high school and everything, I suspect the last thing you were thinking about was a career in football. Well, um, when I first arrived there, you know, I never played football really as a, as a kid other than just pickup games and that. But in the ninth grade, uh, Jim, I was, I was about as tall as I am now. I stopped growing about in the ninth grade. So when I showed up there in the ninth grade, the, uh, the head coach of the football team was a guy by the name of Bill Simmons. And he just looked at me and said, you're playing football. You know, and I said, Oh, okay. I guess I'm playing mm-hmm. football. And, uh, cause I was among, you know, one of the bigger guys, um, sure that showed up that freshman year. And, uh, so I, I just, got into football and, and, uh, took to it right away. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, it, you know, it became a big part of my life, but at the time you're know, playing high school football. Um, I wasn't recruited to go to any of the big colleges or, uh, you know, the football powerhouses. Actually, I was recruited to a few of them, but never offered a scholarship. So, um, so yeah. So ending up at, you know, after high school at William and Mary, uh, not the pipeline to the pros that you would hope, you know? So, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking a lot about professional football, uh, even up to the time that I was leaving William and Mary. So, yeah. Now, uh, you went to William and Mary, a great, great school. Um, you also, as I recall, maybe I'm wrong, but I think you got accepted at Princeton and you could have gone to Princeton or am I wrong there? 
I don't know how you remember these things, but uh, yeah, I, I applied to a number. That's of why you got to be schools. careful what you tell me, Jim. <laughs> I know you remember everything. Uh, I, I, uh, my father had this. I don't know. My father was uh, such a great man, but he, uh, he had this, uh, just this idea that uh, he, he wanted to have a one of his sons or daughters attend an Ivy League school. So despite the fact that I had a full scholarship to William and Mary, but at the Ivy Leagues in Princeton, you did not. Uh, my father uh, was still, you know, saying it's OK if you want to go to Princeton. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I was very close to doing that. It came down to those two, but I decided to go to William and Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know what that's like. Um, my son went to Penn. Our son went to Penn, but he had a scholarship to Notre Dame. And um, mm-hmm. which he turned down and wrote them a nice letter. But I kept saying, you know, it's OK if you go to Notre Dame. It's OK <laughs> if you go to Notre Dame. But uh, yeah. he, he had his heart set on Penn, so he did. Um, so, Jim, now you're at William and Mary and you're an outstanding player. But then the NFL draft comes. You don't get picked. You're a free agent. And as I recall, you were one of those cadre of guys brought in. Uh, I think Fred Gerke was the GM. Uh, Red Miller was the head coach. And you're signed as a a free agent out of college. Well, the story I tell, uh, Jim, was was even after I finished in the fall of the, actually 1978 and play, finished playing football, I never I wasn't like thinking maybe I could get a free agent, you know, look in the, in the NFL and that. I was pretty much thinking I was done. I was looking at maybe graduate school and a number of things. And it was a couple of months. I, you know, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it probably wasn't until March. Uh, I think the draft was a little earlier back then, but it was Bernie Reed who was a scout and you know, Bernie and Bernie Reed was oh, a scout yeah. for the Broncos. And, and he called me and, you know, and said, Hey, I've been looking at some tape on you and that, and, and uh, probably won't get drafted, you know? And of course, smart Alex Jim wanted to say, you know, thanks a lot, genius. I know I'm not getting drafted, you know, that type of thing. But um, he, he said, you're not going to get drafted, but you know, after the draft, I, I, I'd like to, you know, uh, like you to sign with the Broncos, you know, as a free agent. So this is the first, you know, even, uh, thought I had of really playing professional football. And then of course the draft was a few weeks later or a month later after he called me and I still really hadn't heard from him. And it was a day or two after the draft, but he called me and he said, Hey, I hope you haven't signed with anybody else. <laughs> you know, do you know that not one other team? I will say that through my coaching staff at William & Mary, they said that the Philadelphia Eagles were interested, but that was the only, I don't, I don't remember ever getting a call from them, but um, you know, so, so Bernie calls me and says, I hope you haven't signed with somebody else or that uh, you'll wait. It'll take me a couple of days to get to Williamsburg there. And uh, you know, uh, will you wait and sign with the Broncos? And I, you know, of course I'm saying you better hurry up. I don't know if I can hold out, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> I really had nothing else going. And, and he came a couple of days later. I had no agent and he signed me to a, uh, to a tryout, or what I call a tryout, you know, a free agent contract with the Broncos. And, and uh, he at first offered to give me a thousand dollar signing bonus. I talked him into 2000 and I thought I was a great negotiator, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so, so that was it. I signed it and, and uh, right there in my dorm room, I didn't, I didn't have an agent or anything. So it was, it was, uh, quite a surreal experience. I still remember when you showed up, uh, literally all those years later, Jim, and uh, you were so impressive. You were a gentleman. You were professional. You were, uh, quite frankly, different from a great many football players that we had. And I remember our outstanding defensive backfield coach, Richie McCabe, had a wonderful line. I'm sure you, you'll even remember it. 
Richie said to me, boy, he's a wonderful kid. Going to be ashamed to cut that boy when the time comes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Richie told me that, you know, a little later afterwards. And what prompted that was I had been to mini camp. And then when I was driving out for training camp, I drove from New Jersey to Colorado and I decided I didn't really want to make the trip on my own. You know, it was going to take two or three days to drive all the way out there. So I brought my brother with me. My brother at the time, Danny Ryan, was 12 years old, and uh, hmm. he's he's 10 years younger than me. And we stopped at the St. Louis Arch and at the Indy 500 and just did a little sightseeing along the way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as soon as we arrived in Denver, first thing I did was show up at the Broncos office. And Richie was one of the first ones I ran into. And I had my little brother with me. And that's what prompted him to say that, Jim, was and you took your little brother on this road trip and everything. What a great guy. It's a shame we're going to have to cut you in a few weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That's what prompted but, uh, that. Yeah. I remember doing that first training camp, though. You know, we had a lot of linebackers. And every night at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, the coaches had their coaches meeting. And you're wherever you are in the depth chart, next to last, you know, for a variety of factors, free agent guy. Then a couple of days go by and they say, you know, Ryan's moved ahead of this guy. Ryan's moved ahead of that guy. This guy's now hurt. Ryan moved ahead of that guy. And you just kept plugging along until uh, there you were. Well, um, I, I have another little story about that, Jim, was, and it relates to, uh, to Greek. Steve Antonopoulos told me a couple of years later, when I first showed up, um, I don't know if you remember this story, but I, 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 uh, I had gotten, I had been injury prone in high school and college, and I had torn an ACL my junior year in college, my, in my left knee, my anterior cruciate, and I never had it repaired. Um, so I missed some time, uh, both with my junior and senior year. When I showed up to Denver, of course, the physical that I took, they discovered, of course, I have no anterior cruciate ligament there. And, uh, so that, you know, I had to sign a waiver that said, you know, if I hurt that knee, I can just be released. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to pay me or anything like that. I remember uh, talking to uh, Fred Gerke and saying, uh, well, what happens if I don't sign this this release? And he said, well, you can probably be on a plane back to Jersey this afternoon. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll sign that. And then when we're running, we did a conditioning drill of 10 40-yard dashes. Um, and I was doing the conditioning drill on this. So this is before we even put pads on or anything. And I pulled my hamstring. So I just remember Steve Antonopoulos saying that in the first night or first two nights of the meeting, they were ready to cut me or he wanted to cut me because he's working on, you know, some of the injured players, the the real players, the Lyle Alzados and Craig Mortons and everybody else, you know, he's like, what do I have to got to get this guy better, you know, torn hand or a pulled hamstring and everything. And, and uh, they were ready to cut me, thought I was injury prone, you know, from the, the, the past, failed my physical. And, you know, uh, I, I had the problem with the hamstring on the first day of training camp. And I will tell you that it was Joe Collier who saved me before um, before anything. He, he said, well, the Ryan kid, you know, I, I like his speed. Well, let's let's let him go in pads. You know, when he gets back in pads, let's go let him go a couple of days before we let him go. And I, I often tell that story. You never know how things are going to go, who the people no. influence in your life are going to be. And, you know, cause 10, you know, and then I went on to a 10 year career after it almost ended uh, in a, in, but this was in a, a five or 10 second decision that Joe Collier decided to keep. Right. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. Just think somebody 
comes into a pro camp, it's about as nondescript a situation as possible. You know, undrafted rookie free agent with a, a, a history of injury who then gets hurt. Give me a break. But like you said, a moment in time where Joe could have just as easily said, yeah, I agree, Greek. Let's let him go yep. tomorrow. And instead, yeah. he says, let's look at him for a couple of days. And that turns into 10 years. And I might add way more than that in terms of your career. Well, um, so much more than that. And uh, I, I like to say sometimes the moral of that story is it's really funny. I went on and in my 10 years in the NFL, I missed one game because of injury. That, that's and, right. And I had no recall seasons. of you having, you know, like if you <laughs> yeah. t- said to me, how was Jim Ryan healthy health wise? I'd say, oh, he was tremendous. Never missed a game. Yeah. And yeah. You, you didn't. You know, we had another linebacker. Uh, he failed the physicals in Baltimore and Detroit. And John Ralston mm-hmm. drafted him, Randy Gratishar. Yeah. And between and never the two a, of you, you missed never one missed a game. game. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We both played 10 seasons. He never missed any, exactly. which I'm exactly. jealous of because I missed, I missed one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. But um, so you, you know, you started off as a special teams guy and just typical, though, you always graded out very, very well. And I remember Joe Collier would talk about that. Dan Reeves would talk about that when he gave the awards or, or whatever you want to call them. I don't know if you'd call them awards, but he would announce to the press who graded out best on Mondays. And so often you'd grade it out as the top guy. And uh, you became a starter in 1987. You were always in the top four, five, six in tackles. But in 1987, we went to the Super Bowl and you led the team in tackles with 125, Jim. Well, um, I, those, those years, you know, uh, yeah, it took me some years to get traction. I didn't start any games in my first three seasons in the NFL. And then, then I, you know, the years in, uh, say, 84, 85, 86, 87, those, those four years in there were kind of the real heart and soul and, and mm-hmm. prime of my career and, uh, and feel like I was uh, really contributing. You know, you know, Jim, when you come in as a free agent and, uh, you know, only one team offers you and things like that, uh, there, there's a little bit of a mindset that comes in. You come in and say, well, I'm not, I'm not quite, you know, the player that some of these guys are that came in from USC and Nebraska and Oklahoma and all these places. And, and it takes a little bit of time to kind of get over that. And that, that those were the years where I felt like, no, I, you know, I can compete and I, I can, uh, uh, I, I can be a starter in this league and be productive and uh, contribute to, uh, you know, a, a team that uh, is is winning football games. So um, those those were kind of my uh, my salad years, you know. So yeah, I'm, I'm now, very it, very thankful for those. Yeah, that's not uncommon though, Jim. I mean, you look at any player and you say, boy, he was a great player, and you look at his record, and quite often, if a guy played ten years, there were four, five, six where he was just superb, but maybe yeah. the last couple he was. He was declining a little bit in the first couple. He's finding his way. I don't care what sport it is. I mean, you know, there's Michael Jordan, but that is very, very unusual. There's John Elway. But uh, most players, uh, and most players, though, don't make the 10 years with one team. That is very uncommon, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, especially in this day and age with the free agency in that. So um, I I just – it just feels, you know, my career has kind of was kind of just wrapped up and, and nicely packaged in in the ten seasons. Oh that yes, I, I played. When I got into about year three or four, um, I really had kind of set that goal that I wanted to play at least ten years. I wanted to make that ten year mm-hmm. mark, and uh, was able to do that. And 
and uh, and then move on. Um, and and you know your career. There's very very few football players or anybody in sports, I think, where their career ends. You know, just on that high note, just the way they want to. Guys who yes. go out like John did and and Peyton did. You know, uh, you know, winning Super Bowls and that. Those are so so rare. And uh, uh, but but uh, you know, I. I loved having that all packaged in the 10 years and, and then uh, then was able to move on from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, what were your thoughts on being named to the uh, Broncos top hundred team? Well, um, I only found out about it, I think very shortly before it was announced. Um, I think my son, Sam mentioned it to me or something. And um, so, uh, you know, I wasn't even aware that it was happening I'm a little, you know, out of touch of the local Denver scene because I'm living in Nashville uh, right now. But uh, so I was like, oh, well, I wonder if I'll I'll make that, and, you know, and and just gave it some thoughts. But uh, but then just kind of forgot about it. And when it was announced and uh, I was uh, I was named to that, um, I was thrilled. I was thrilled to be included with, uh, you know, the, the great players in the history of the Denver Broncos since 1960, because. Uh, there's a lot of them, and uh, yeah, and I think I think I mentioned to Peyton that weekend. I said, you know, we're both in the top 100, so we're equal. You know, you and I are. That's just exactly the same. right. <laughs> and, and you know, like you said, be included with with those great players. Yeah. But actually, yeah. one is one of those great players because Deacon Jones said once, and and I was there, and he was kind of talking to me, but not just to me. But he said, you know, the Hall of Fame, for example, is the place where Elway can't get away from me. And I can't catch mm. Elway because it's like that that symbol of eternity that just goes uh, you know in a in a circular eight all the time. And same thing for you, Jim. You're on it. You're on it. And that was tremendous. I can remember when you were single, and then you married Sarah, a lovely woman then and now, had three wonderful boys, and now one of them works for the Denver Broncos. Uh, we've had uh, just a great family life, Jim, and. Uh, you know, when you said, you know, I had not only a 10 year NFL career, but so much more, I mean, because that was really a gateway into the really the rest of my life was moving from mm-hmm. New Jersey to Colorado, uh, you know, meeting my wife there in Colorado. And then uh, all the things that have happened since then, including the family that I have uh, and uh, now to include five grandchildren, believe it or not. Uh, oh, great. congratulations. Of, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Four grandchildren, the oldest of which is five. So, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, our, we have, uh, our three sons who, uh, are, have been just such a blessing to us. And, uh, Sam, Sam is, is just great. And, uh, anybody, uh, in the Bronco organization, I think who, who knows Sam, I think really likes Sam. He's just a, an outgoing guy, very funny, can be, uh, can, can be really comical, but really, takes to heart what he does and takes it seriously. And I think really loves it. You know, he studied, um, uh, you know, uh, film and uh, digital media and everything else at TCU. So, you know, this is his kind of uh, foray uh, is, is, uh, you know, video. And he was just a, uh, an independent contractor, kind of a freelance videographer and director of photography, some other things for a few years after graduation, uh, and he had the opportunity to go into sports uh, video a couple of times and had turned it down. But uh, this last time when uh, Steve Boxer had an, had an opening and asked Sam about it, he says, you know what? I think I, I want to be part of a team again. And, yeah, uh, that's, it's really uh, cool. So, 
And he, um, you might you might know that you know I spent a couple of years as uh, the head coach at Regis High School, and right. um, Sam Sam was in like seventh and eighth grade, and then freshman I think when I was the head coach there. And I always tell people he was my film department then. He would he would go from <laughs> middle school over to the high school to film my practices, you know, and uh, and he did the games and everything. He was my video department mm-hmm. when I was a high school coach, and he was uh, barely in high school yet. So, yeah, that's where our son went, by the way, Regis Jesuit. Um, now, mm-hmm. Jim, how many years total did you coach? I coached uh, five in Denver and three with. Houston. Um, and then I, co- I, I don't know. I don't know if I get five full years uh, credit with Denver because I actually joined the Broncos in the middle of the 04 season um, because I had just finished up my year at Regis with, uh, uh, with our season. So it was, it was uh, early, late October, early November, and we had finished our season and I was, if you remember, I was doing radio um, at the time on the fan, and mm-hmm. we were having trouble coming to, to to a new contract. I was out of, I had already, my contract had already expired like six months earlier in that. So I was deciding, what, do I want to do something else? And I contacted Mike Shanahan after my football season was over, because I don't know if you remember in the middle of the 04 season, Mike had actually fired an assistant coach. Uh, in during the bye week that year, and so I uh, I knew Gary was there. I knew Rick Dennison was there. A couple mm-hmm. of my really good friends. So I talked to him, and he says, "Hey, he might need some help." So I I contacted Mike Shanahan. And I said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm not really going to do anything. I think I'm quitting radio here. Do you need any help for the rest of the season?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I do." <laughs> he said, "Why don't you come in Monday morning?" It was like a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Come in Monday morning, and I came in Monday morning, and. Uh, he, he he gave me a job, you know, that that first yeah. half a season there was just really kind of volunteering. And then he hired me full time after that. So uh, it, it, I was kind of the accidental coach there <laughs> to get back into well, the and, NFL that but, way. And, and ultimately more than an accidental coach. But uh, just think, though, all of this that we're talking about, all of it almost is the product of Joe Collier saying, I kind of like Ryan Speed. Let's take yeah. a look at him in pads for a couple of days before we let him go. You know, Jim, um, that's exactly right. I do a little um, coaching now. I, I, I do some uh, facilitating for sales training and sales coaching these days. And one of the exercises we do when we talk, teach managers to be coaches, um, we talk about thinking about the people of influence in their lives, right, that really mm-hmm. change the direction of their lives. Well, I have several of them, right? There's Bernie Reed, who's the only guy who ever – uh, thought that maybe I could play in the NFL. I have Joe Collier, who in a five-second decision saved my career. Um, I have a, a former high school teammate who's not with us anymore. He passed away several years ago now uh, by the name of Jerry Brown. And, and I credit this guy with uh, forming my ability to play football because I was just uh, um, somebody who was very raw. And I didn't have uh, – not I had talent. But I don't know if I had the drive to really make it, uh, you know, the uh, to, to draw the best out of myself. And this this he became my best friend, Jerry Brown, and he drew it out of me. I, this is just, just an amazing man. He wasn't as talented as me. And I say that not 
because uh, I think I'm so talented, but he just, he just recognized that, but yet not being um, defensive about it or not, uh, you know, being jealous in any way. He, he told me that he thought I was kind of wasting my talent if I don't really know how to, to, um, to develop it uh, by, you know, with some, with some drive, with some competition, with some toughness and with more conditioning and things. So he, he did that for me. He kind of taught me how to do all those things. It really, I had great coaches and things like that, but I credit him with the fact that six years later, I got an opportunity to play in the NFL six or seven years after I met Jerry Brown. Uh, and he was, I think, as responsible as I was for the fact that I was able to make it. Jerry went on to a very successful career um, with Merrill Lynch uh, and uh, really a driven guy, great guy, great family, and unfortunately died uh, well, he about when he was about 57 years old. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, interesting. But, uh, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, some people, once we've had successes – we forget how we got the successes sometimes. But Fisher DeBerry, the former head coach at the Air Force Academy, has said, if you're walking down a country road and you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you have to remind yourself that turtle did not get there by himself. Right. Right. You know, I mean, there are so many people. Yeah. There are people. And sometimes we don't give it a thought. And I've had people say to me, because I've had the benefit of a long career. I've had people say, you know, you said something to me once 30 years ago. Or I said, really? Yeah, I still remember this. I've still got this picture on my wall. And I said, what? But we, we don't always think of how we're influencing people. And it could be negative as well as positive. So let's make it positive. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I have so many in my life that have been that way that have helped me, you know, because I, I will tell you that uh, Randy Gratishar was a great influence on me and Steve Foley and uh, a number of guys that I played football with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Barney Chavis and Reuben Carter mm-hmm. and, and, and guys like that, Ruland Jones and, and that. What was uh, really, really um, exciting for me is – when I was back, I think it was just when, last October when we were celebrating the the uh, 100 uh, Broncos, uh, I ran into Kyle Johnson, the old fullback for the Broncos, who was on the roster uh, when I was coaching back in 04, 05, 06, I think. Oh, it was, yeah. And, uh-huh. and and he said something. He stopped me and he goes, you know, I uh, um, I wanted you to know that something that you said uh, stuck with me and I've taken it to heart. And I've, I've used that, um, you know, since, since you told me, you know, 20 or not 20, but 15 years ago, he said, you just had, had an impact on me. Uh, and I, I was like, Oh, really? And he, he kind of told me what it was. And I can't even really remember what I said to him, but it doesn't really matter other than, uh, he said, it just had an impact on me because I thought, he said, I thought you had it kind of all made former player. You had played 10 years. Now you're coaching and everything. And I said something to him about the work and the and the uh, you know the struggle that it takes to get where you are, and uh, and that it doesn't just come easy. And uh, oftentimes, uh, people that see successful people think that uh, it, maybe it just came easy to them. And mm-hmm. there's so many examples of the, that it didn't. You know, the two the greatest players for the Broncos didn't. You know, John Elway had a tremendous work ethic uh peyton manning's work ethic is just legendary you know um and these these are you know they got to where they are because of that so yeah it's important let me ask you one more question you were a starter uh 
in Cleveland when we had the drive. What are your memories of that? Well, um, it's it's funny. I, I just watched over the weekend the ESPN 30 for 30 about the city of Cleveland and how the city of Cleveland has been so long suffering since the early 60s <laughs> and yes. has uh, their hearts broken so many them. times. <laughs> many of, hey, it almost made me feel sorry for them, almost. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Broncos were a big, big part of that. Well, that game was, uh, that game was obviously, I think the most important, the, the most memorable that I ever played in 10 years. I played 160, I think something games. And, uh, that was, uh, by far, I think the one that's the most memorable. Uh, I played in two Super Bowls. We lost them both. So we'll, we'll go with the AFC championship games is the, is the most memorable, but, um, the, the whole experience of going there, uh, going out to dinner the night before and having the, the restaurant break into dog barks because of the dog pound and everything. And then, mm-hmm. uh, showing up on the muddy field and, uh, and then falling behind in the last five minutes. Um, it, it was, it was just a setup that uh, couldn't have been more perfect for John. And, uh, it was, it was just a tremendous, tremendous experience. I was, um, you know, I had a, I had a, one of my best games there. I, I picked off Bernie Kozar at mm-hmm. one point. Uh, and, uh, and it was just, and the other thing I remember is when Rich Carlos was about to kick the field goal, um, I think John and, and Steve Watson, they, they couldn't watch. So they were, so I was standing facing the field and they were facing the stands. <laughs> They're like, we can't watch. So I mm-hmm. didn't tell them that he made it and we're going through the Super Bowl. So there's just so many fond memories. And, that was, yeah, it was just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so many things, of course, but at the end, when you guys were so euphoric, leaping and that almost the only sound you could hear in the stadium were the Bronco players and a couple of hundred fans who literally a couple of hundred who were Denver fans. There was no other sound in that stadium. It was total silence except for you guys. It was great. Anyway, it was uh, great. And this was great. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, oh, no, I was just going to say one, one, one more quick story. I have a personal story. My, uh, my mother and my sister had, had come out from New Jersey for that game. I had no idea, Jim, where they were sitting in the stadium. But after the game, after a few minutes of celebration, I started to kind of turn toward our locker room and that, and I look up and I find my sister and my oh, mother cool. with tears streaming down their face and oh, all that. Cool. <laughs> I promise you, oh, it was just cool. like out of out of the natural. It looked like the sunshine, <laughs> just right right on. Yeah, them, you know, just, and it, it was just so it was cool. just so funny. Yeah, yeah, very cool. But uh, well, you know, the sun the sun shines on people. If you allow if you allow it to shine and you give it room, it'll shine on you. And uh, yeah. Jim, you've been you've been a great Bronco, a great guy to know, and this has been a wonderful thing for you to do with me. And I'm I'm so thankful that you did. Well, I'm happy to do it, uh, Jim. I you know uh, have uh, considered myself a friend of yours for a long, long time. You have meant so much for uh, to the the Denver Bronco organization. For I don't know, have you been with them for 50 years yet? Actually, this is 43, <laughs> including my oh, seven as a consultant. Yeah. Okay. And I was okay, a, I was a stat guy. You know, I was one of those Sunday stat guys before I was even employed by the Broncos. So. Uh, you know, I was just mentioning to the guys this morning, I bought my first season ticket in 65. Uh, I've actually seen, I've had worked or been at 
970 some games in person, whatever. Holy anyway, mackerel. yeah, it's a holy mackerel thought. The <laughs> coronavirus may impact that this year. But uh, anyway, Jim, this has been great. And I wish you and Sarah and all of your family nothing but the best as time goes on and, and look for the next time when I'll talk to you. Well, I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks very much. Phil, that was Jim Sakamano's conversation with former Broncos linebacker and later assistant coach Jim Ryan. Great hearing both about his playing career and later coming back to work with the team. Yeah, Jim does such a great job finding some stories that no one's ever heard before. He does it once again here with uh, Jim Ryan. Hopefully everyone listening really enjoys Broncos Country Throwback. Make sure you subscribe wherever you download your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. We'll be back next week with another member of the Broncos alumni. Until then, for Eric Dalala and Jim Sakamano, I'm Phil Milani. <laughs>